This is the My Bloody Hell podcast, the podcast where we tell stories about perimenopause. Hello, superwomen. Welcome to episode number six of the My Bloody Hell podcast. I'm your host, Lori L. Tharps. I'm a journalist, an educator, a mother of three, and a card-carrying member of Team Paramenopause. I'm also a newly arrived expat in the south of Spain. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome, and I hope you enjoy this show. If you're one of our returning listeners, welcome back, and thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. We are a new podcast, but I really want to make this show and the membership community a really valuable resource for super women like you on their way to menopause. As an aside, I just want to be clear about why I call you a superwoman or a superstar, which is how I address my listeners. I call you that because you are a superwoman and a superstar. If you're engaged in the process of perimenopause, and you're also a functioning member of society, maybe you hold down a job, maybe you're raising a kid or two, maybe you stop at red lights and you pay your taxes. If you're doing all those things simultaneously while going through perimenopause, then you are a superwoman. At least you are in my book. So that's why I'm going to call you that. So superwomen, where was I? Yes, yes, yes. I was thanking you for listening to the show, for tuning in, for telling other people about it, because I want this show to be a valuable resource. I really have a very, very simple goal. Why I started this show, why I started the membership community, it's because I want to help women who are like me going through perimenopause to feel better about the transition that their body is going through. Now, mind you, I am not even for one single minute going to try to convince anybody that perimenopause is fun or it's a blessing. Uh -uh. My mother did not raise a liar. I am not going to try to do that for you. But I do want to help the women listening to this show, possibly, just maybe, through the sharing of our stories and the discussions that we engender here maybe, just maybe, transform the way we think about this third stage of our lives. That's what I'm trying to do with this podcast, to help all of us recast and reimagine what our life during and after perimenopause can be. So I'm all in. That's what I'm here for. Those are my goals. I hope they could be your goals too. One last thing. I want to be clear that the people who I'm talking to, the people who are invited to come along on this transformative journey are people who want to be here, are people who want to be in communion, in community with other women who prioritize diversity and multiculturalism and actually want to learn from other women who don't necessarily look like them. I really am a person who has spent her entire career as an author and as a journalist writing and speaking about race and identity and culture and inclusivity. And so one of the core principles of the My Bloody Hell brand is, in fact, inclusivity. It is multicultural. It is diverse. And this space, I want it to be that kind of space. The menopause space, if you look around, tends to be quite segregated. Surprise! It's very, very white. 
or it is some other, but it doesn't seem to be multicultural. It doesn't seem to be diverse. It doesn't seem to be the type of space that I want it to be, or at least my little space here at My Bloody Hell is going to be, which is multicultural, diverse, and inclusive. I want women of all racial, cultural, and religious backgrounds to see themselves represented here on the show and in our membership community. I want women who identify as gay or straight or somewhere in between to feel represented here. Basically, if you're a person with ovaries and you need support and community as you approach menopause, I want you to know that I see you and you are welcome here. Okay, great. Now, let's get on to the show. On episode number six of the podcast, my guest is Maceo Cabrera Esteves. Maceo is a 45-year-old Cuban-American woman who recently relocated from California to Portugal with her husband and two young children. Maceo's story is quite unique as she is not only battling the symptoms of perimenopause, she was also recently diagnosed with ADHD, a condition that perimenopause actually exacerbates. I thought this was the perfect time to share Maceo's story because not only is October, the month that we're recording in, World Menopause Awareness Month, it's actually also National ADHD Awareness Month. So Maceo's story gives us an opportunity to pay attention to both conditions. In the telling of her story, Maceo shares the details of her lifelong struggles with her period. She talks about how her culture influenced her early beliefs about her body and how she manages to cope with both perimenopause and ADHD. As with all of my guests on the show, I was so impressed with Maceo's honesty and willingness to admit that what she's going through is really hard. But at the same time, she has still found a way to hold on to joy. I really think a lot of you are going to relate to Maceo's story, and I think that the lessons that she shares will be lessons that we can all use. Before we get to Maceo's story, though, I do need to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by the My Bloody Hell membership community, which is now officially open for business. When you become a member of our private inclusive community, you'll find information, inspiration, and support. We have regular monthly support group meetings, monthly meetings with experts in the areas of medicine, nutrition, and wellness who can answer your questions about the changes happening in your body. And most importantly, we have a group of women who get you and this crazy making journey towards menopause. We also have fun workshops, a book club, and deals and discounts for products and services to help make perimenopause a little less awful. So come check us out at mybloodyhell.com backslash membership. And P.S., if you join before October 29th, you'll get to come to our epic launch party on October 30th. And speaking of parties, what's a party without snacks? I'll pass on orange-dusted tortilla chips any day. At my age, my snacks should be healthy, but I'm not really ready to dig into a bag of rice cakes that tastes like styrofoam. I mean, does anybody really like those? I personally would rather have some carrot cake cookies or sea salt pulp chips from Yum Day. Yum Day is an online snack emporium that prioritizes food and beverage brands led by women and people of color. You can order any number of carefully curated snacks from Yum Day or try one of their monthly subscription snack boxes where they will curate a box full of snacks just for you and your taste buds. 
If you'd like to try snacking for good, that's good for your body, good tasting, and good because you're supporting women and people of color, then use our promo code MBHPOD15 for 15% off when you shop at Yum Day. That's MBHPOD15 when you shop at yumday.co. My name is Maceo Cabrera Esteves, and I'm 45 years old, and I just moved to Portugal from California. I have two children. Uh, my son is 11 years old, and my daughter is nine. I was so happy to have a chance to speak to Maceo and hear her story. I actually met Maceo online because of her job, a job that any lover of literacy and languages would love. I own Booklandia. It is a traveling and online bookstore that specializes in, in Spanish and bilingual books for kids and teens. I've been running that business for the past five years. I'm in Portugal now, so I'm still running it from here and have a fulfillment center in the U.S. and my assistants also in the U.S. Now that I'm in a new environment that's much lower paced than the U.S., I'm learning to not work all the time and um, to try to develop some hobbies. Hobbies? Hmm. What kind of hobbies does one pursue in Portugal? Well, I live in this really cute beach town. So I like walking towards the ocean and it's also along a river. It's nice to like walk by the marina and get like the river and then it flows out to the ocean. So I do a lot of walking in this town. I recently just took a macrame class and that was super fun. And I just bought some materials and started to do that. But I really enjoy spending time with my family outdoors and exploring. Maceo's relationship with her body as it related to menstruation and getting her period actually started very early. I got my period at a very early age. I was 10 years old. It feels like it's always been part of my life <laughs> since it was so young. And even though it came every month and I was very aware that I had like, um, you know, a regular cycle every 28 days, I still would miss, oh, it's coming, <laughs> you know, and I wasn't like very in tuned with my body and with my hormones and how everything interacts until recently when I really had to understand what was going on because it was definitely not something that was talked about in my house. My mom didn't even want to talk about my period. So <laughs> it was definitely something that I just had to like learn on my own. And I really didn't do that much research on it. It wasn't anything I was really interested until the past few years. Culture often plays a role in how we are introduced to the so-called taboo topics like death and sex and obviously things like getting our period. And for Maceo, her family's culture definitely impacted her mother's approach to helping her. My family is Cuban. They immigrated from Cuba to the United States. And I think that's part of it. I could only talk about my mom, though. She didn't want to talk about those things. <laughs> it was, I don't, she just didn't want to. And at that point, too, she was done with her cycle. My mom had me at 38, and she went through menopause at 45. So by the time I was 10, she was done for the past few years. So there wasn't even anything in the house. 
I remember there were panty liners. She still had panty liners. And it was my neighbor. She was Guatemalan and a very good friend of my mom's. She's the one that went to the store a few days later after she realized I got my period and my mom was not responding (laughs) and got me pads. (laughs) But it was also very tough. I didn't even want my father to know. Like I was just like, don't tell Bobby. I don't want him to know. So it was definitely like a taboo subject, but it was also something that she did talk about with disdain in a way, because several years ago I got diagnosed with PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which really erupted, let's say, after I had my first child. But I feel that I probably had it to some degree since I started my cycle or maybe in my teenage years because my mom would always be like, oh, you're going to get your period, you know, like that. Like she was just like, because I had an attitude. <laughs> so, <laughs> What exactly is PMDD? It's called premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And some people just describe it as a severe PMS. It happens to a small percentage of women, of female bodied people, but It's like one of the hardest things I've dealt with because it's like, you know, it's coming. It comes once a month, right before your period. And, you know, some women with PMS, they get irritable, they get cramps. It's very difficult. Women with PMDD experience rage, suicidal ideation, a lot of chronic pain and bloating, breast tenderness. But I think the psychological effects of PMDD are the worst part. And I'm part of a PMDD moms group on Facebook. And that really helped me throughout the years because since anything related to the menstrual cycle, we don't talk about, you know, we just don't. I didn't realize that other women experience the same things. I didn't feel as alone. So I tell my friends about it, some of my friends, but I've recently been more open about it. And many people have said that they never even heard of it. So it's like one of those things that I feel like I need to speak about more because there are people that may be experiencing this and don't understand that that's what they're experiencing, that it's a hormonal disorder. And it's something that there's treatment for, you know, it varies from person to person, but there's treatment and there is help out there for that. Since her mother hit menopause at 45, Maceo imagined all of her suffering would be over by now. But that's not the case. I'm really waiting for it to be done. You know, like I'm just like, what? because it's, it gets worse with age. So, um, man, <laughs> for the past four or five years, it's just been really, really difficult. And I researched a lot on perimenopausal because I was just like, what is going on with me? Like, it's just getting worse. So I was learning that this is just what women go through, you know, during this time before menopause and the despair. I think I go through a lot of despair every month with the PMDD and then with being perimenopausal is just like added on to it. I feel like these years are just like leaving me, you know, like I feel like just like absent from the world because I'm in this perimenopausal stage that I just am just so consumed with what's happening in my body. 
And I keep on hearing, I keep on reading about women experiencing only one good week. I'm like, this is so true. I go one good week a month. I'm like, what the hell? Like, why just one? (laughs) (laughs) Why just one? And then it's not even such a great week because all the other three weeks have been horrific. So then I'm still dealing with the aftermath of those three weeks, which are different. Every single week is different. So I go through like my ovulation period where I know that, okay, this is when I start, my hormones start acting up and I'm feeling tired. I'm very forgetful. I'm not aware of what's going on sometimes because I'm like so consumed. And then it goes into right before my period where I'm just like, I feel like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, or I feel like a werewolf. That's what I kind of feel like it's coming. And so I have to deal with that. Like, And then my period comes and there's some relief for me, but with perimenopause, it's just, there isn't actually relief because on my third or fourth day, I'm going through something else hormonally, which I can't figure out because of perimenopause, my cycle's changing. So like how my moods are with the cycle are changing. And then I have my good week where I feel on top of the world and I could do everything. And I have a business. Like I can't just do everything in one week, (laughs) but it's just like, I have to figure this out. Like I have to like either take a whole week off a month just to rest. So then maybe the other three weeks I could do something. But our world, especially because of how capitalist it is, doesn't cater to a woman's menstrual cycle. You know, So yeah, it's been very interesting how I've been learning about all of these things and how it affects me, how it affects my family, how it affects my work. It's been very challenging. So Maceo is dealing with PMDD and perimenopause, a seemingly never-ending cycle of hormone hell. And with perimenopause in the mix now, she has even more symptoms to contend with. Definitely the night sweats. I get night sweats and it's super annoying to wake up being like soaked, like my whole chest is soaked and I have to like dry myself in the middle of the night. I don't get hot flashes during the day, but sometimes I do maybe because I'll go into a room. I'm like, I'm so hot. And everyone's like, it's not hot in here. I'm like, okay, I'm going through a hot flash. (laughs) And I've been more tired, definitely more tired and just not being able to get out of the funk of just like having to like stay in bed. Sometimes I was more active before. I feel like my energy level has really gone down and it's just like, no, it doesn't matter what I eat sometimes. It's just my energy level is really low. So yeah, the night sweats have been very difficult. And then like, I realized too, like my, sometimes in the beginning of my cycle, my blood is like bright red, which I didn't have that before. I'm like, this is different. (laughs) I don't remember it being this bright, but it would be that bright. And then sometimes it's shorter and sometimes it's super long. Sometimes it's like five days and then sometimes it's nine. (laughs) So... (laughs) With like spotting for a few days after that, it's very annoying. One thing that has changed for Maceo is that her mother is a little bit more willing to talk to her daughter about what she's going through. Sometimes I bring it up and sometimes she'll ask, have I gone through any months without it? 
She's like, you still haven't gone through any months without it. I'm like, no, I still get it every month. (laughs) Or she knows my mom lives in Florida and she knows I just, I won't call her the week before my period. Like, it's just like, I'm in such another world that I won't call her. So she knows, she's understanding now that I'm going through a harder time with it because of perimenopause. So she's not very helpful, but she, I guess she does talk about it a little bit more now. As if Maceo wasn't being challenged enough with all of the things her body is putting her through, she was also recently diagnosed with ADHD. And while perimenopause can exacerbate many of her ADHD symptoms, the diagnosis was actually a relief. So I have a daughter and she's nine and I was, I was noticing some things about her that I was just like, oh, I need to like look this up because she has a hard time listening. She's not like being disobedient. Let's say I'm doing that in quotes. It's just like, she's really not listening, (laughs) you know? And, but I was just like, no, this is different. Like I could feel something different. So I started to research on it and then I started to read more about ADHD. And then when I was reading about the symptoms of ADHD, I was like, huh, this is very similar to my life experience. And I didn't know how to pinpoint that beforehand. And I started reading more about women, adult women with ADHD, and it just really clicked with me. And I was, I've been struggling with keeping up, which I think has always been a theme for me in my life, but even more so now. And then when it comes to work or when it comes to like being a wife, it feels like a character issue or moral issue Um, that there was like something wrong with me as a person, but I didn't understand how could there be such a bad thing about me? You know, like I try to be a very good person, you know, like I try to do my best and everything, but there's something going on that I just can't push forward. So I talked to a psychiatrist and we did some work around it and I got diagnosed a month before my move to Portugal. So it was a really big thing, but I wanted to get diagnosed before my move because I was just like, I don't know how my move is going to be. And I need the support for this because a lot of things that are move related are very difficult for me. Like my husband, he did all the logistical stuff. I did all the research stuff. He did all the logistical stuff because I just am terrible at it. So I've been on medication. I've been on a stimulant on Adderall for the past two months. And it's really changed a lot with me. I've been able to focus more. I've just been able to like really see that it's a a neurological disorder. I have issues with my executive function and it's not like I'm a bad person (laughs) So uh, for doing those things. But what I've learned with the process of having ADHD is that many women are getting diagnosed at my age with ADHD because of perimenopause. Women with ADHD or people with ADHD who are female-bodied have in their different cycles of life, like in the beginning of menstruation or when they have children or perimenopause, the estrogen levels really affect the ADHD. So since I'm getting lower estrogen, it's really affecting my executive function, which happens to a lot of women 
who are perimenopausal anyway, like very forgetful, maybe spacing out, you know, stuff like that, which are symptoms of ADHD. So it can mimic ADHD. But since I've been suffering through these things my whole entire life, I knew it was ADHD. And it's gotten so bad with perimenopause that it kind of was just like in my face, you have ADHD. (laughs) So thankfully, we live in a time and period where there's more research, there's more support, there's more resources, but it's difficult to have this diagnosis, but I'm very grateful to have this diagnosis because I've been living with having ADHD my whole entire life and it's been a struggle. And I wish I wasn't. I've gone through a mourning process, <laughs> um, which I'm still mourning sometimes of what my life could have been, even though I've accomplished so much. Like I have a master's degree, I have a family, I have a business, but I'm like, no, I could have done more. I could have been more successful, but my symptoms of ADHD haven't helped me. <laughs> they haven't helped me. So there are characteristics or symptoms of ADHD that are helpful to people. And I'm trying to focus on those, especially because I'm going through perimenopause and it's such a difficult time that I need to like, I need to not lose any more of my life to this, you know? And I feel like with every hardship comes ease, this perimenopause hardship after menopause is the ease, right? Or we're going to go through other stuff, right? But <laughs> but there is some ease to it. So like, I know I'm in it right now, but this is what I have to go through and I need to find the resources and the support that I need. And part of that is also talking about it. It's very important to talk about it. So we all have an understanding what we're going through and how to figure out how to help ourselves because That's the thing that we need the most is to help ourselves. Given the double or actually triple whammy of managing ADHD, PMDD, and perimenopause, Maceo has had to be very open and transparent with her family members, even with her children. My kids are very aware of my cycle. I tell them. (laughs) I've been telling them for a really long time, okay, mommy's not that patient this week. So please understand that. And they've been really good about it. I tell them when my period comes, so they're aware of what's happening. I talk about perimenopause with them now. And I say, this is right now I'm going through a hard time because I'm going through perimenopause and then my estrogen levels are going down and soon I won't have this. So they're, they're very aware, (laughs) both of them, my son and daughter. I want them to understand. And I kind of want to be like, not everyone's like this. <laughs> you know, not everyone's to the extreme that your mom is, but <laughs> but it's been hard. I feel bad. And it's just like it's also one of those things. It's just like I feel bad. I feel bad that I have this hardship. And then this hardship is also part of my family. You know, it's like their hardship too. But they're very good about not taking it on. At least my kids, they don't take it on. They know to steer clear sometimes, you know, like when I tell them, you know, I, I need my space. They know sometimes they get extra screen time those those days, you know, like, sure, you want to watch another movie, that's fine. So, and I know that too. I know I have to give that. So it's been difficult. I know with my husband, it's been difficult and it's been challenging for him, but he's very, very patient, which I really appreciate and 
you know, like with every marriage, you have to like learn about each other and how to support each other. And he tries, he really tries because I know I can be very difficult. In addition to the healthy and honest communication Maceo maintains with her family members, she has also adopted some lifestyle changes to help her manage her perimenopause symptoms. Definitely drinking a lot of water helps. That really helps me. I get very dry, dry mouth. So drinking a lot of water, which also helps my skin. That is one thing with perimenopause I've noticed, that my skin is drier, which is very annoying. (laughs) So going on walks really helps me and fresh air, but also resting when I need to. That's really important and trying to get as much sleep as possible because I have very broken sleep. That's one thing too that I feel is a new perimenopausal symptom. I wasn't always waking up. (laughs) I did a lot when I was breastfeeding, but you know, that's been a long time. So uh, now I wake up like two or three times a night and I don't sleep well. So trying to sleep as much as possible and resting as much as possible. Before I left California, I was doing yoga every other day with a friend online. And that was really helpful, which I would like to start doing again. But really connecting to my body and what it needs is really important during this time because it's all connected. It's not just one or the other. We're one person. So, (laughs) you know, it's all connected. And, you know, eating definitely right before my period. I love carbs. I love, like, I just want a cake. (laughs) Not even a piece of cake. Can you get me a whole cake? (laughs) I don't think I'll eat it all, but that's what I want. Um, So I indulge a little, but not too much because then it's all that sugar isn't very good during that time or any time too much sugar isn't good for you. So, but I do let myself have those cravings because I know it's only during this time. So, and just giving myself some grace and just, you know, like forgiving myself, asking for forgiveness. That's one thing with my children all the time. You know, like if I snap or something, I always apologize. There's no justification. There could be a reasoning. (laughs) There could be, you know, it's because I'm going through this that I do that, but it's still not right. So I still have to apologize. Just, yeah, giving myself some grace and understanding that. I read yesterday something that I think I need to implement. Breaking up your day in quarters. So if something happens in the morning, it doesn't ruin your whole entire day. It may have affected your morning, but you could start over in the second quarter of your day or the third or the fourth, you know. And I was like, you know, that's a really good way of thinking about things because sometimes something can ruin I let it ruin the whole entire day. So I have to stop doing that because then it's just like this whole cycle of, you know, I have a a ruined day and then it, you know, leaks into the next day. So um, just understanding more and understanding myself and giving grace. One of the hardest things about perimenopause is not knowing when you're going to reach the finish line. For Maceo, that struggle is real. Oh, I wish I was at the end. (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like I'm in the middle or I have no idea (laughs) So, because I have not missed any periods yet because that's, you know, a sign, right? That you're closer to menopause when you start missing periods. I haven't done that yet. 
And I'm very good at tracking. I have that app flow. So I track it now. I've been tracking it for the past year and it's really, really helped me. I don't know why I didn't do it before, but it's really helped me understand my cycle. That's one thing about perimenopause and menopause. It's just like, we don't know. Like we could kind of guess, but like, we don't know. And that's really annoying. I'm like, (laughs) can we fund some research on this so we could have a more practical timeline (laughs) so we could like do a test or something and they they could tell us, okay, you're, you're here, (laughs) you know, but we just don't know. And everyone's different. The thing is, even with the unpredictability and unpleasant symptoms Maceo deals with on an almost daily basis, she still decided to pick up and move to another country in the midst of the madness. She didn't want to let perimenopause make her limit the choices she made for herself or her children. I was very fortunate to be a kid and go back to Cuba a few times. And so I was able to see life differently than, let's say, my cousins or other Cuban Americans that they never went back. So I wanted my kids to have a different experience. at 45 and being perimenopausal and just learning a diagnosis of ADHD, it has been challenging. It can be lonely, you know, and my family's all in Florida. My husband's family is in California, so it's very different. But it's also very invigorating. It's not too late. Like some people move when they're younger. It's not too late. Or some people move when they're totally settled. But I always learned when I was a kid, like, you really don't know what the future holds. I don't know how I'm going to be at 65. You know, like, why are we going to wait until we retire to do something that we've always wanted to do? Like, we just don't know what's going to happen. So we can right now. So let's do it. So I think it's actually the perfect time for me to go is the perfect time because I am on this journey and being perimenopausal does make me reflect on who I am I'm able to be in a different country where I could learn a lot of things. I have a lot of space to learn. And, well, I have to. I'm learning a totally new language. (laughs) So (laughs) it's a good opportunity for me to, like, keep on growing. And that's the thing. Like, we learn for the rest of our lives. Until we die, we're still learning. And I think as we get older, like, you know, it's like the second half, we see how women are after menopause. We see how powerful women are after menopause, you know, because there's like so many things that women have to deal with in life. And I actually think it's a great time to move. And even though it's been challenging and scary at times, and I don't really miss the U.S. I miss my friends. I miss my family. And I miss just certain comforts that, you know, everything's fine here. So I can't really complain, but I miss what's known. Like a lot of things are unknown to me. I have to like learn a lot of things. I have to like think about words, but I also think because I'm perimenopausal and I struggle with forgetfulness and spacing out and stuff, it helps me be more present. It's so absolutely true. Perimenopause can make us be more present. Thank you, Maceo. Thank you so much for sharing your story. 
If you want to keep up with Maceo on the interwebs and check out her amazing bilingual bookstore, here's where and how you can do that. People can definitely follow my business on Instagram and on Facebook. It's booklandia.co or booklandia.co. And we're on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter. And we also have a website. People could also send me messages there if they want to connect. Thank you again, Maceo. I hope you enjoyed hearing Maceo's story as much as I did. Here are the life lessons we can all use. One, premenstrual dysphoric disorder is a real thing. If you suffer from extreme PMS symptoms, do not dismiss it and don't talk yourself out of seeking help. And as Maceo says, definitely talk about it with others suffering the same way so you know you're not alone. Number two, Women in their 40s are being diagnosed with ADHD more and more, and perimenopause or fluctuating hormones can make ADHD symptoms even worse. That just sucks, but at least understanding why things are happening can feel empowering. Number three, tell your kids why you are suffering. Say the word perimenopause out loud to your sons and your daughters. This will help them understand why mommy may be in a bad mood or still in bed on a Monday. And it's a step in the right direction towards undoing the shame and lack of knowledge our culture continues to have regarding perimenopause. And number four, even though perimenopause can suck, and it does, it can help us really focus on what's important in our lives and make time for those things. Perimenopause can be a wake-up call to prioritize our dreams. And that's a message or a lesson that I think many of our guests have shared with us in different ways so far on the podcast. And it's a lesson that I continuously rethink. As someone like Maceo, who has also recently picked up and moved across the ocean to start a new life in a new country, I don't know if I would have said that perimenopause was my wake-up call, but the idea of what it signifies of my life is moving into that third stage definitely is a wake-up call for me. What are your takeaways from Maceo's story? Did you learn anything? Will you think about perimenopause any differently now? Feel free to share your thoughts on the My Bloody Hell Facebook page or the Instagram feed or on the blog post for this episode on mybloodyhell.com backslash blog. You can also continue the conversation inside the My Bloody Hell membership community, which is now, as I said earlier, open for business. Just go to mybloodyhell.com backslash membership for information on how to join. Again, that's mybloodyhell.com backslash membership for information on how to join. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this passion project of a podcast. If everybody listening today could do me one small favor, I would really appreciate it. And that is just tell one friend about this show. If everybody listening right now just told one person, we would literally double our listenership just like that. You don't have to tweet it or put it on the book of faces. Although if you want to, I'm cool with that. All I'm asking is for you to tell one friend who might need to hear our stories. Thank you. Next week, we're going to have a special My Bloody Hell Halloween-inspired episode. If you listen to episode number three, you'll know what I'm talking about. So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't to know just what kind of witchy menopause stories I'm going to be sharing. 
or just tune in next week, Wednesday. All right, that's all I have for this week. So, super women, will I see you here next Wednesday? I hope so. Until then, be good to yourselves, get some snacks from Yum Day, and maybe take a walk. The My Bloody Hell podcast is produced by me, Lori L. Tharps. Our editor and technical director is Brad Linder. Our theme music was composed by Good B Music. And hey, one last thing before you go. I am not a doctor nor any type of medical professional. Therefore, do not use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for verifiable medical advice and information. Always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have any medical questions or concerns regarding perimenopause, menopause, or any other health-related issue. Thank you. 